Thanks for joining us for another entertaining installment of the Stack Pack. Perhaps you can help solve a mystery. Ooh, I changed it up a little bit. So sue me. Um, what's up, guys? Stack Pack, um, Season 3, Episode 4. I'm David Howell, joined with my other stackers. Uh, Road Dan, Home Dan, across the street from me for another couple hours. What's up? Howdy, howdy. And Homeboy, uh... Big Bad Val Dad, uh, Eli, and Dallas. What's up, dude? What's up, man? Wish I could be there with you guys in that same beautiful room. In the magical room where all the magic happens? That's where all the magic happens, baby. It's a room with a lot of blankets. Uh, For now. Thumbtacked to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> and a couple of uh, other things. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah, we gotta work on decorating this place. We got some unmentionables in there. <laughs> a little bit of unmentionables. Yeah, that's definitely true. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, we got a pretty fun episode. And actually, it's cool because there's uh, we get to kind of like delve into these cases a little more because there's only three. And one of them is like a lost loves that we'll just kind of, you know. That we'll just Rush kinda, over. Yeah, we'll just kind of. into the rug. Yeah, you know, we'll just kind of give you the bullet points, you know. Get you on with your day. <laughs> um, uh, we got things to do. We know you got things to do. So we'll just, you know. I'll just speed it along with that last Lost Loves. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 so we got uh, Season 3, Episode 4. We got slightly new um, intro graphics. And I, th- I feel like they were kind of changing in between episodes a little. Um, but the first case is an unexplained death. And it, this story takes us to the small town of Rome, New York. Yeah, yeah the the houses, they, I like the, the architecture of the houses in that little neighborhood that they... Uh, that they drive through. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Um, so yeah, this is like a chill little town. This was a tiny town where everybody knew who the who everybody was, and uh, we're gonna be talking about the Grizik family, Stanley Grizik and his wife Esther. Um, from 1957 to 1976, Stanley owned a gas station with his brothers. Um, it was actually a gas station and liquor store. Um, he tended to the liquor store part when and his brothers kind of ran the gas station part. His brothers were Peter and Bernard. He and his wife, Esther, lived right next door to the uh, liquor store too, right? Yeah, well, their house was attached to the gas station. Nice. Yeah, so that that was their whole life, that uh, that little family business, I guess. And it was a quiet little neighborhood and uh, – you know, everything was going pretty good until November 6th, 1976. Um, this what is, happened then, David? Dude, this is, like, real freaky. Um, um, Stan, you know, it was a normal night. Stan was upstairs. He was running the water for his wife to take a bath. Um, she was downstairs doing her thing, checking the windows, checking the locks. She was wait, like, wait, wait. He he was running the water for his wife to take the bath? Like, he was drawing her the bath? Like, yeah, yeah, he was running her, yeah, her bath water. That's really funny. A true gentleman, man. A true gentleman. Well, she yeah, she was disabled, but she she was she was deaf, but she could hear pretty good with the hearing aids in her ear. So yeah. so she did her thing. She was checking up the house, making sure it was locked. Um, and she heard a loud noise in the kitchen, and the back door swung open, and two dudes in ski masks rushed in. And they uh, they immediately like grab her, right? Like it's fucking scary. Yeah, yeah. It just like out of nowhere, and especially if she can't hear. Yeah, well, they yeah they said she could hear, but not for not not for very long. So um, there was apparently a short and stocky dude and a tall and thin dude, and uh, um, the loud noise uh, apparently um, 
you know, startled uh, Stan, and apparently he he heard her screaming too. So he goes downstairs. He he startled the taller guy. The smaller guy was already on the floor choking the wife, and she kind of just played dead, is what they said. She was she uh, her her hearing aid got knocked out, so she couldn't hear anything, and she played dead. And um, yeah, she just laid there, and they tied her up too. Um, and they said like while they were tiring up, they laid a pearl handed a pearl handled gun like right next to her face. She could see this gun. Yeah, she said she played dead, but she opened her eyes a bit, and she could tell that there was a gun. She was just barely squinting him, just a little sliver, and she could see this gun, you know. And that's a pretty unmistakable gun, you know. It's like a little, like an outlaw, like, you know, cowboy-style pearl handle. They So she just lays on the floor. She doesn't know what happens. I mean, obviously her husband is subdued, but she's just laying on the floor while they, like, ransack her house for an hour, just, like, searching for everything. Yeah, and no, she didn't know what they were looking for. Yeah, searching through everything, excuse me. Yeah, and, yeah, they like, it, nobody could figure out what it was. Um, so, apparently, she had to, like, lay there playing dead until she fe- felt no vibrations in the whole house. Oh, that's right, because she couldn't hear. That's, yeah. yeah. The, like, the first thing when the guy grabbed her knocked her uh, hearing aid out. Mm-hmm. So, she was able to, like, get herself free, and when, and then she goes, she went into the dining room and unfortunately found Stanley, her husband, dead. So, unfortunately, she just, she died two years later, and she, uh, um, yeah, the daughter said she just went on, you know, she was already dead or whatever. I don't know. It was fucking depressing. <laughs> that lady, she died of a broken heart. She did. Whatever happened to, whatever happened to Esther Grisick? Oh, she died of a broken heart. She did. Sure did. Oh, Esther died of a broken heart. <laughs> the reenactment of her getting up is so sad. Um, uh, yeah. And then like her her hands are still tied behind her back, and she's looking over, and she sees Stanley. Um, he's he's just lying there. Yeah, it's it, this is this one's a bummer. She just plain died of a broken heart. Um, so. Yeah, she died within two years, so it was, I don't think... 20 it was exactly months, to be years. exact. Dang. Oh, okay. 20 months. Yeah, yeah, she just existed for the next 20 months. Oh. So there was a thorough investigation. They actually didn't even let the family in for a while, and they were, like, searching the house and trying to figure out what was going on. And as far as I could tell, the only thing that was gone was two beers from the fridge. That's so... F- how did they... How do they know that? <laughs> like, that's... I don't know. Maybe the wife knew that there was more than more beers than there was i don't know and then and then this investigator i guess it makes sense once you hear the whole story but the investigator says that the cop he's like they must have just been searching for one specific piece of paper i don't really know what the fuck that means so the next day after after the police finished their investigation of the search of the house the family's children were allowed to go back into the home and that's when their son martin discovered a shell casing just hanging out on the floor in the dining room and he, and he thought it was, A, kind of odd that it was still kind of there because the police did do an investigation and they didn't, like, you know, pick it up and tag it. And he was saying it, it wasn't like it was, like, you know, like buried into the the wheat wove of the rug. It was just kind of sitting there on top and that yeah. there wasn't any firearms in the house. So where did yeah, the they, they come Actually, from? they found it because the, the rug was kind of messed up, right? And they were trying to they were trying to fix it. Yeah, trying to straighten so they, it out. They immediately called the cops over or the detective or whatever, and um, 
and he's like, uh, so th- so they didn't touch the scene. He comes over and said, "Yep, that is a shell casing." Puts it in a bag and says, "Best not mention this to anybody for now." <clears throat> and um, he's you know the son is suspicious that like did he ever mention it? Whose side are you on? Yeah, which I thought was weird too. Also super weird is they just kept uh, the family's like they just kept insisting that he was stabbed in the chest, but we found this shell on the floor. Mom saw this gun, the pearl handled gun, small gun, like clear as day. Well, yeah, clear as day. I wonder why they would suggest that though. Well, yeah, that's another reason why would they want that? Why would the cops want it to look like a stab wound? Um, yeah, it makes no sense. Well, here's where the story takes a twist. Um, yeah, I mean. They had explained, they told the cops over and over, like, there's no guns in this house. Like, like that gun had to have come, came from the perpetrators. <clears throat> and then we get an old-fashioned Unsolved Mysteries, uh, what's, uh, tradition. A good old-fashioned body exhumation. Yeah. <laughs> Just grab his old bones out. Get Dig them up. Get that boy's bones out of there. Dig him up. <laughs> Dig him up. <laughs> It seems like it was a popular thing in like the eighties, like whenever there was like a case involved, just like, eh, we'll we'll dig him up in about six months, and then we'll actually do the investigation. We're just gonna let dig it dig him up, dig <laughs> him up. Dig yeah, that's him that's a, that, that's four a future, more years. That's the, four more years. That's a future detective's problem. <laughs> yeah, I'm two weeks from retirement. Fuck it, just bury it. That's exactly what happened. So they they dig him up. They're like, yep, shot in the chest, and they restart the investigation they pretty much restart the investigation yeah with and they're new like investigators. well wow we really messed that up whoops sorry about well, that the last guys were incompetent so uh let's pass it off to jerry um yeah so that was a sort of new thing but um nothing came of that lead until of, until march of 1989 a drug dealer told the cops that he knew who killed stanley grizek but not why um, did, did, didn't like Robert Stack say like he was a, a well-renowned drug dealer? Like just like, like did he say that? Oh, he, he makes something like that. Well, like I he was like that he uses some type of adjective for saying like this guy was like known for being a drug dealer in the city, but he kind of makes it sound kind of glamorous. Well, you make like, it, I think you're getting or you're mistaking it with comedy bang bang, where it's just like he was a child molester, a celebrated <laughs> child molester. No, no <laughs> but now he's like maybe. celebrated. That's not a good word. <laughs> So, so this guy comes – this guy tells us his story and he's like – his voice is like low and dis, like like it's like oh, – he was work. so this guy was yeah, working they, at a bar. They don't, even, they don't even tell us his name so we can't even say like – They don't even give him like a Joe, not Joe. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what like, I was going to say. They just, just say like bartender or, or something like, like that. Or <laughs> accused drug dealer. Drug dealer they witness. They don't even put any – they don't even put a name on there. It's just it – just Yeah, it's just his. a black face that's really low. So he's working at a bar, and a person whom the bartender owed money to wanted him to pull a job to kind of, you know, even things out. So he drove he drove around with this guy, and they pulled into an alley, and he told him to rip off Stanley's house. And they say it, like, in the reenactment, like, I want you to rip, yeah, he's I want like, you to rip off Stan. He's like, why Stan? And he says, oh, that's none of your, like, he basically tells him it's none of his business. Like, that's that's his business. That's my business. Yeah, it's just so generic. It's just like. Yeah, they don't know what anybody said. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, and he's like, oh, and then the re- like the low voice. He's like, he's like, when I said, I sell coke. I don't, I don't, burg- I don't, I'm not a burglar. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, he says, I'm not. Well, I'm not a burglar. I'm just going out there and selling coke. 
I sell coke. I don't burgle. <laughs> I'm just your neighbor. I'm just your neighborhood drug dealer. Don't you dare ask me to burgle. That's I really will not true. burgle for you or any man. That's really funny. way to stand up, coke dealer. Way to be a better dude. Way to be a great guy. I burgle. have principles. Damn it! Did we just? <laughs> I shall not burgle. Just no, burgle's a word. You are a burglar because you burgle. Are you for real? There's yes, no yes, dude. Yes. I'm like ninety five percent sure. <laughs> I've never even think thought about that. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, burgle. yeah, yeah. Burgle, the act of burgling. <laughs> yeah, another term for burglarize. <laughs> Yeah, burglar eyes, like, that's, it's redundant. I don't burgle. <laughs> that's not a good burglar. I seriously had never heard that term before. <laughs> He's a stand-up man. He, he will only sell you drugs cut with, like, baby laxative and heroin. <laughs> but he will not burgle. I will, I will not, not burgle. That's where I that's draw, where I draw the line. That's what I was going to say, too. <laughs> he may kill you slowly with a low quality drug, but one thing he will not do is break into your house and kill you. I will not steal any of you. I would never steal any of your memories, let alone murder you. Um, well, not in your normal sense. Actually, I take that back. It probably wasn't low quality product. It was the eighties. Yeah, that's right. You're probably right. So, I, I, so actually, so actually, I, I take back what I said before. This is this is when they get the new investigators and reactivate the case. It was probably straight cocaine, <laughs> not straight from the CIA headquarters. Wasn't when that the, all that shit was going down when the CIA was basically like back funneling Pablo Escobar yeah, cash? Yeah, for, yeah you're for talking cocaine. about that movie with uh, Tom, with Tom Cruise where he's the uh, where he plays that that pilot. Is it the second time we've talked about this on this podcast, and I still haven't seen it? Oh, that's no. right. And then that's what that's what they say. They 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 claim that the boys on the tracks. That's what they. The that's boys what they on the tracks. Into. The boys on the tracks. We're part. Yeah. The um. The, yeah, that that case creeps. Yeah, just just those. So words. that's how these two cases are linked. This guy probably sold the cocaine that got those kids killed. Mm. And they probably saw him. Uh, those kids probably saw some stuff. No. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so this is when they get the new investigators. Um, so, and then they were actually contacted by, um, a neighbor of the Grisics named Amy Scott. And she was telling, talking about the night in question that she let her dog after she let her dog out. Her dog had to go to the restroom after one of her programs, which is, which is why she knew the exact time. One of her programs, um, after, after love. Yeah, dude. yeah exactly. You know, or was it, was it, 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 it's DVR, like the DVR days were not coming anytime soon. So you could actually, you, you could be like, oh, I could tell you exactly what I was doing because I was watching the show that only comes on at that exact time. So after her program, she lets this dog out and when, and she notices a guy or guys, she, she notices somebody approaching the house. Um, and then 30, 45 minutes later, she is what she's assuming. She opens the door and calls for her dog when she sees the same person leaving but getting into a car and she notices some other another man in the car and um he seemed rushed right she says something like yeah, that yeah yeah well basically um sh- they they drove out of there real quick almost hitting her dog she was actually screaming at him like That's yelling what at it him was. yeah yeah they almost hit her dog that was coming up the driveway or up the road 
Hey, and, you reckless fucks, you almost killed my pup. Yeah, like, <laughs> dude, she was yelling at these people that just, like, committed a, she, she probably a double murder is probably what they thought, but, you know, it was only a single. Um, yeah, and then and then when asked, like, why she didn't tell the cops before, she's like, I did. I straight up did. She did talk to the cops, and um, when looking in the file, there was nothing at all about her, about her talking to the cops. Right. So, which is another, uh, you know, one of the you know, tally marks for, hey, were the cops, like, trying to hide something? And then um, Amy's Amy's uh, witnessing isn't actually over. She sees these fuckers at a gas station a few days after the murder. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that whole thing. And she she's, like, sitting there, and it, it like, just triggers in her brain. She's like, hey, that's, like, a Lincoln, and those have got to be the dudes that I saw. So she was, like, freaked out. And then she's like, I just drove like i just kept driving i just got my car and drove and i was like is she chasing them but what she did is she went to the cops and and she went to the to the police station and um told the cops exactly what happened and they drove around uh she drove around with an officer in in a squad car but they couldn't find the guy i think it was the neighbor who led the cops to this bookstore owner patsy who had uh, uh a day before the murder she met these two dudes at her bookstore, and they, these two guys were driving a Lincoln, and they were talking about how they had been there before. And there's like a re- in the reenactment, they're like talking about like, oh, I can't wait to see you again, and uh, it's weird. I don't know why would these two people be committing a murder and go like revisit an old bookstore? Sounds kind of dumb, um, but I guess these people weren't very smart. So the people that talked, so it was the bookstore lady who talked to the detectives, but it wasn't in the reports. It, it, it wasn't the it wasn't the neighbor. These guys were also spotted at a local bar um, about three days after the murder. Um, the cops were able to talk to a guy who said he saw them come into the bar. They met another dude in the back. This dude gave them money and they left. Um, I just want to point out before I move on is they're sitting at the bar in the reenactment while this lady saying, while the person is saying that it all happened in the back of the bar. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, um, so this... This person asked, like, what, like, what they say? What's going on? And the person and and the dude said that they had done a job for him and he paid him and they were leaving town. Yeah, somebody. Now we're now it's looking like a hit, right? This sure is, sounds like it. This is when it gets a little hairy. Well, I mean, yeah, it's already there's already a dead body. They've opened this investigation again and they are looking into all their leads and. They noticed that the bar in question, the liquor license, actually belonged to his brother, Peter Grazik. Yeah, that's this, a, so this was that can't be like a coincidence, right? Yeah, that's weird, right? So that was Stanley's older brother, and he was presumably one of the guys who ran the gas station, right? This Bernard and Peter. Yeah, correct. And then we get a weird story from his kids, and they're kind of recounting this weird story because Peter had already died, but um, their dad had gone to visit him. And he was real sick, and they and it made it seem like he they had a private talk without anybody else around, and he, uh, uh, it's like he's told him something, and then they never talked again, and yeah. he died. He died like four months later. Yeah, right? that's that's crazy. That is, I mean, that's the, something had to have happened because usually, typically, when a sibling or a family member is about to pass, like, I, I you you kind of like spend as much time with them as you possibly can, right? So. Yeah, and it's also like, uh, damn, like that must have been something really bad if he didn't like at least come to like, yeah, I don't know. 
his but, final but, moments. But we don't know the relationship between these siblings. So, well, they were also saying that like his demeanor changed after that conversation. That he was just like he he always he he didn't seem like down or or anything like that, but just happy but distant, right? Yeah, yeah. Like he he he, he still came off as his normal happy self, but he also had this air about him of where he was just like. In like constant thought of just like pondering of something, mm-hmm. and they couldn't put their finger on it, so they speculated that maybe his brother had informed him of something, and he was just like, "Shit, like um, there's nothing I can really do about it." So I just like got to bite my tongue and. Yeah, and and that's that's their daughter Patricia who's talking about that. You know, her dad was seemed in good spirits but distant, um, and she said the last time they had spent a weekend together, the last thing he said was, "I don't know when I'll ever see you again." And then she says, like, yeah, I never saw him again. And that was alive a we- again. It was a very, yeah, yeah. Which kind of seemed a little redundant when she said that. Like, yeah, I never yeah. saw him again alive again. She, she's, just like, yeah, yeah. No, she, she said, yeah, I don't know when I'll see you again. And she's like, and then I never saw him alive again. Like, I don't, yeah. it, it just felt over redundant. It was mad redundant. Uh, you know what's over, you know what's redundant? Saying over redundant. Oh yeah, that is true. That, that that is a very valid point. That's like an oxymoron. <laughs> that kind of, yeah, I'd say it was, I don't know. So apparently, this liquor the, the liquor license of this bar was revoked in 1982 because of drug dealing and gambling. And it uh, when the episode aired, um, it was still closed. What they're thinking is the dad knew about this drugs and gambling, and he got killed for it. They killed that man. He got killed. Um, and yeah, the daughter, the daughter's like, the, the daughter's like, you, you know, he, he got killed because some, some two guys came in and burgled, burgled. His- <laughs> someone killed him. Someone killed him. And then they burgled him. <laughs> I still think that's so funny. Uh, but never- they didn't really, but, but they didn't really burgle anything they, except for well, two they, beers. They took two beers, man. They roadies. <laughs> That's like it's like a friendly thing. Like that's more of like a hey, mind if I steal a beer, bro? <laughs> hey, we're not gonna kill that six pack. We're only gonna take two, so you still technically have a four pack. You can still kind of catch a buzz. Just saying. So yeah, they still can't figure out exactly why he would be dead. It's like if he knew about these drugs. I mean, why? You know, it still doesn't really add up. Um, Maybe he had mentioned it or like mentioned that like he might go to the cops or something. That's possible. I mean, um, every. You know, a member of his family said that they they had uh, no, like if there was some secret that he had, they he didn't tell anybody. Yeah, he took, um, he took it to his grave. Yeah, and then his wife died of a broken heart. You see, she oh Esther, oh Esther, she lived up the street over there. Husband got <laughs> killed. See, she died. She died of a broken heart. She did. Don't go over there up to Pet Cemetery. Don't you dare. <laughs> Bad things happen up there. Sometimes that is better. Even if you did die of a broken heart. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so they fucking ransack this. They kill this guy. Presumably they kill the wife. They think they do. And they ransack the home. And they take two beers. So are they trying to find like a deed? Are <laughs> they, they trying to find... They burgled two beers. They burgled two beers. What were they trying to find? Like like a deed, to, like a liquor license, some sort of like documentation Money, the reenactment's like, he's got a lot of money. Go get him. Go go to Stan's. Why, why do you want me to rip off Stan? I think they just kind of did the the ransacking of the house to kind of disguise the motive of it being like a hit job. I, I honestly think that there was something they were looking for because it, it was like everything. 
everything was ransacked. You know, it's like if you make it look like a burglar, you know, I don't feel like it would be like every Yeah, like they would have just they would have just turned over a few things and made it like kind of like appear if I was the guy who perpetrated this crime, I would have fucking torn that house up to like, just throw everyone off. Okay, but check this out. Maybe they did find what they were looking for. And because they, if he had this secret, he didn't tell his family. They wouldn't have fucking known anyway. Yeah. They wouldn't have known if it was uh, there or not. That's true. And then they took two beers to celebrate, and they said, cheers. We found what we're looking <laughs> there for. There you go. We're terrible fucking asshole hitmen. Now let's go to the thrift bookstore. And then let's get out of. And then let's go to a CD bar and get paid and, and get, get out, out of Dodge. Time. By the way, these composites. Can we talk about these composites? They look Dude, like, like oh the, my god, the crackhead Disney characters. <laughs> they look like two comedians. Like, really? I, I thought they looked like like classic Disney animation, but on meth. <laughs> Straight up, like like fifties Peter Pan or like Alice in Wonderland. I like how they like make them like friendly. The seven Doors. One of them like straight up looks like Dopey, just doped out. Dopey, that's right. Yeah, they, they gave him the dope. They gave him frowns because it's it's more menacing if they're not smiling. Yeah, it, it's like one of those like like you know those dumb internet things. It's like oh, we drew really realistic versions of your favorite cartoon characters and ruined your day. It's oh, like yeah. if they did that with the seven dwarfs or something. Yeah. <laughs> two of the seven dwarfs. Dopey and Sleepy. <laughs> That's the two. <laughs> yeah, one of the guys, like, the bags underneath the sketch are just, like, so predominant. It's like, has this guy, like, slept ever? Yeah. Yeah, so there, there's, I mean. He might I, be part basset hound. Dan, Dan, Dan was researching uh, um, while I was taking notes. There's no update on the unsolved mysteries. There's is there there's nothing. No, uh, there's nothing. nothing. They still don't know who did this. Fucked. Um yeah, so that's that's that case. That's uh uh Stanley uh Grizik and his definitely mysterious murder. So the question is, are all these things connected? There's no way they're not, right? The brother of the liquor store. Yeah. Um something happened. They they found something. They found what they were looking for. Yeah, I never thought about that until we were talking about it, but I was like, hey, Maybe they did find what they were Maybe, looking yeah. for. Celebrate. This guy was keeping. This guy was keeping some secrets. We we know that. Yep. <clears throat> so next we get an update of our uh, Jerry Gamble, uh, the first sweetheart. The swindler. first sweetheart swindler. Yeah, and he he's the the guy who would like just bust out loose jewelry out of his pocket and woo women. Fucking idiots. I'm sorry. We're, just just to quickly wrap that that update. If you fall for a man who pulls out a eight carat diamond ring from a paper envelope, yeah, you're gonna are. get suckered. Chances are, <laughs> it's that simple. Well, I mean, like we said, like we said in, like we said in the, like we said in the episode where we covered that, it's like, dude, jewelry salesmen do not carry loose jewelry around with them. Jewelers don't have loose jewelry. Like, hey, I'm a jeweler. Let me prove it. Like, here's some fucking jewels for you. So, yeah, he got caught. We, we covered his whole case. So let's move on. Yeah. Right. He's like, oh, I forgot um, I had these. Yeah. Oh, I just had these lying around. You know, I'm a jeweler, right? Oh, jewelers. Trick- you know how jewelers are for getting rings and pockets and everything. Uh, it's part of the trade. Uh, my wife left me because I used to bring my work home with me all the time. <laughs> How come you didn't get me a rock like that? Um, this next one's kind of it comes with cool. the territory. Comes this with next the territory. one's like, do you guys do do, do you like war games movies? Yeah, that's what I was about to say, dude. Yeah, Matthew Broderick, man. Hey, can we can we officially cover the movie War Games for this podcast? <laughs> I don't see why not. <laughs> is, is it that similar or not really? 
kind of. Pretty close. I bet you everything except for the third act where he like actually like saves the world or whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, this guy. Would kinda... you like to play a game? Dude, I've never seen that movie. I'm You've never that. seen War Games, David? I just fucking said that, David. Didn't I? No, I didn't. It's been years since no, I've I haven't. seen it. I think the I last time I saw it. it, it was like I was eight. It was like when I was like, I went down this weird binge of like army like surreal movies. Like I was, I was a sucker for this movie called Daryl. I don't think I Darryl? saw that one. or Daryl. It was like about this like Daryl the robot, this boy robot that could like calculate like the outcome of a war and like I don't, could master all sorts of, like, oh, it's I, crazy I, i've heard of daryl but i didn't know i oh, it's a bad tell Disney you what movie. it was about it, it, it is not a b-real movie that thing is like a flat-out d but i've never seen that movie or even heard of it but yeah no this da- reminded me of daryl it, it's it, daryl's like an acronym like d dot a like, dot y r y l i i, I can't spell you, you daryl. would really you would really enjoy war games you would really yeah, you know what it. movie I, I also I haven't seen? I think we seen? might watch it after this. You know what movie I haven't seen that's also been kind of like piquing my interest and I know I need to see it because it has like Corey Feldman and Carrie Fisher and Tom Hanks? The Burbs. Oh, dude, you've never seen The Burbs? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, I, I have these weird... Pizza, uh, pizza dude. <laughs> you need to watch it, that it, movie. Is, is that a, it's sci-fi, right? It's like a it, sci-fi comedy. It's not really out. sci-fi. It's more like like murder mystery kind of. Wow. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. So, 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 what Daryl stands for is data analyzing robot youth life form. Very original. <laughs> youth, like it's got to be a boy robot. The kid next door <laughs> is not who or what he seems to be. Dude, I want to see that. Sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I need to see that one. That one I haven't seen. I need to watch that one. But yeah, War Games and the Burbs, man. You need to, you need to get on. What were we talking um, about? Kevin Polson was from North Hollywood. <laughs> his, what really? His, his mom died when he was mad, mad young. Damn. Um, and uh, he was bright. He had great potential, and he was painfully shy, according to his friendos. And most people get cars on their 16th birthday. Our buddy Kevin got a computer. Yeah. Way to like. Wait, wait. Awesome to... guys, I got a Commodore 64. It's like the complete opposite of a of a of a car which would be a chick magnet it's a chick deterrent <laughs> that's okay i'm sure if he's you getting... never want to get laid you get yourself a commodore 64 i'm pretty sure well he's the thing i mean i mean the thing it is now. i'm pretty sure well, the... that, that that he turned this into like a money maker i'm sure yeah i mean the thing is is like if you want to get pussy in the long run yeah get that computer man but if you want to get pussy in the short term yeah like sh- sure like throw the football and like and then get knocked down and have a massive head injury and just be kind of like a handsome doof. Yeah. You know, but <laughs> so this guy gets his computer on his 16th birthday and he um, dons the moniker Dark Dante. Yeah. Did you notice that his favorite song was Star Wars? <laughs> what? Yeah. In the, in the reenactment, they show favorite song, Star Wars. What's your favorite food? Tacos. <laughs> I like Star Wars and tacos. Today's episode is sponsored by the Commodore 64. If you want the fastest and the best 8-bit and computer technology <laughs> with a 1.23 megahertz processor with 64 kilobytes of RAM plus 24 or 20 kilobytes of ROM, get yourself the Commodore 64 today. I, and then I like I like how one of the questions asks, are you dating someone now? And he's like, no. <laughs> I just got a Commodore 64. How could I be dating somebody? Some motherfucker, we know you ain't dating nobody. You got a fucking computer for your 16th birthday. 
It's like that guy down the street has like his mom's Ford Taurus. I think that thing's like a 76. He got so much pussy in that last summer. What were you doing? Well, I was learning basic and, and studying up on my C++. Was basic, is that that old? Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Basic okay. is one of the, the oldest and one of the most, well, actually, it's the first uh, computer program well back in the day it was the first protocol program oh no it's gonna get don't worry just don't worry it's gonna get nerdier in here in a few seconds i'm gonna kind of tip off one of my little little deep dark secrets let's fucking do it okay um so he gets a number for this thing arpanet right a computer network funded by the pentagon yeah and i'm trying to write it down i tried to write it down in david words to explain it so they linked computers, um, like so they linked different universities and different, like I guess, scientists think tanks. Yes, yeah, so, so so they could like share ideas. Well, well, the concept of ArtNet was um, when you when in, in the early days of um, computer networking, a computer would contact another computer directly, one to one, kind of like a fax machine. The concept of ArtNet was all these like different telephone com- wires. And yes, shit. Exactly. yeah. Well, that's like, why so it, it, it had a phone. Every computer is connected with telephone wires, and, and, and it would be one to one. It would yeah. so, it would be solely peer to peer. And it would wait, 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 wait. Sorry, when Robert Sachs said that every computer was connected with telephone wires, I was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> not true. Mine's connected via fiber. Robert, I'm oh, sorry, Robert. You you were you're correct. You're correct yeah. at the time. Well, they each had, so, instead of an IP address, they had a telephone number. Essentially, yes. And so basically what this concept was, was all these different computers would call a single sole phone number, and that would connect them to a network within itself to where they could all communicate each other. And it was the first um, network system that uh, incorporated the TCP uh, or TCIP uh, protocol, which is basically, it, it's the building box of what our current internet uses. Like every computer now has an IP address, which yep. identifies oh, what okay. it is within the network and where it is within the grand scheme of things. So this was all like, this was pretty much, yeah, we're just, we're, we're talking dial up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Basically. I mean, yeah, we're, we're, none of us are, are um, and, and young enough a, to not remember dial up. And this was a project that was that, that, that is spanning something like 49 years. Like it started, I want to say in like, the late fifties, early sixties. Oh, that's cool. That's interesting. Um, yeah, dude. But we all remember dial-up, right? Dude, I remember. I, dude, I used to uh, ditch school and I would go home and log on the internet, log onto the internet, and that four thirty call that said that your kid like was absent for one or more periods <laughs> was Wait, fucking crash your crash your it, game it, time. It wasn't there. It was just invisible. Yeah. It never happened. <laughs> Sorry, kids. You can't use that trick anymore. Did no, you have you call waiting or something? Like, for some odd reason, like, whenever, like, at, yeah, at I my did. house, whenever someone would call our line and I was on the internet, it would, like, boot us off. It would just, like, they would get the busy signal, but it would boot us off the internet and just be like, oh, bitch. Oh, granted, no, that never happened. Granted, I my ho- I, I wasn't a AOL household. I was the Juno free internet household. Ooh. Uh, white horse <laughs> internet is what we use. What the fuck is that? I don't know. Let's talk about Kevin. So ARPNET, um, yeah, yeah. So he hacked into this thing that connected all these computers and all these smart people. And soon he realized that he was hooked up to military research for um, the University of California in Berkeley. Yeah. But he the password. Yeah, yeah. Um, Eli, you, you work <laughs> in the IT industry, right? <laughs> but yes, he needed yes. a password, Shrug. Is it really true 
that you know the most common login is username admin password password um this is sometimes because this this is kind of literally that moment no well yeah. well it, it, sometimes <laughs> it is like it is like some people will set it up and they're just lazy and they're like yeah why not i'm just gonna do this like whatever whatever the it yeah you need to change this password all right, when guys, I leave. So if you're in the need of an IT, sorry to interrupt you, Eli, but any of our listeners, if you're in the need of an IT guy, watch them while they're setting up your shit. And if the first thing they pull out is username, admin, and password, you should go ahead and fire them on the spot. <laughs> well, that's just well, standard, well, though. <laughs> it's just easy to remember. But they're supposed to. you're supposed to change it. They're supposed to change it for you. I just want to say that according to, like, um, movies and, like, pop culture and fiction and stuff. Yeah, that happens a lot. And this is the only piece of like factual evidence where I've seen where it's like, basically this guy just typed in uh, after a couple failed attempts, he just put in UCB, which is university of California, Berkeley. And it fucking worked. And it Boom. Worked. <laughs> yeah. Military secrets. Like top secret files ran by the CIA. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I mean, only but, three characters away. His friend was his friend was talking about how how he was kind of this guy who uh, just thought he was kind of above everybody because he 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 like had he thought he had like he wanted power and 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 that some people like the people that weren't smart or couldn't do just this basic like uh, hacking stuff that he was doing were like beneath him and you know he was like you know. He, he was doing it just because he could is pretty much how they made it seem. The initial vendetta didn't last long because what happened was he actually used his n- real name at, l- at least once. He, he didn't use his cool name Dark Dante, which was his awesome, cool, badass nickname, Dante's Inferno. He's just causing havoc, right? He's just he's, – he's El Diablo. I don't know. El Diablo. Um, <laughs> um, Right? Did I just I made some crazy did I make a crazy leap or Dark Dante, Dante's Inferno, Inferno, uh Dan Brown, Tom Hanks, Hanks, Hank Hill, Hill, uh Hill Hill, Hillside Strangler, Strangler, Murderer, Murderer, Hell, Hell, Devil, boom. Boom. So he slipped up, didn't fucking use Dark Dante one day. So September twenty second of nineteen eighty three the Los Angeles district attorney seized his shit. They came and took his computer. They took his pooter. Just like in Hackers. <laughs> they jacked that boy's pooter. No computer technology until you're 18, boy. Uh, he was 17, so he yeah, he wasn't officially charged. But apparently, like, the people he was working with, like, he was like, you're going to get arrested. Like, fucking stop it. Like, they gave him a slap on the hand, a slap on the wrist. They gave him a get-out-of-jail-free card, and he fucked up and continued on yeah it's just like he just like shat in the face of that dear dear monopoly man yeah and he's like you're only Um, 17 little kid yeah i kind of want to take a moment and backtrack to like how we were saying that this thing was funded by like a government agency um because of that several uh well all educational institutions that were part of the the arpnet um system um, had like rules of engagement, like kind of like etiquette, like you know when you go into a chat room, like how certain things should, like how you talk and whatnot. And, and for MA, for example, uh, the computing handbook at MIT's AI lab stated 
It is considered illegal to use ARPANET for anything which is not in direct support of government business. Personal messages to other ARPANET subscribers, for example, to arrange a get-together or check and say a friendly hello, generally not considered harmful. Sending electronic mail over ARPANET for commercial profit political purposes Fuck, is dude. both antisocial and illegal. Yeah. And I also like how they refer to it as electronic mail before email was... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's just like so dry. You're just like... Really, like, like it's that specific in the coding and, and, and like, the rules that your username is USCB and your password is password. Yeah. <laughs> Super easy. A monkey could have done it. Yeah. It, 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 it kind of comes down to just, like, not that many people had computers or computer knowledge back then. Yeah, so it's, it's like... like it, it, there wasn't really, like... like We don't have to know, make this really secure. We're just going to use... We're just the whole like, initials. yeah, like the whole like internet security and you know all the antivirus stuff. Like, I, isn't that like a season of Halt and Catch Fire where they're like, hey, people want their shit protected, and <laughs> yeah. it's like, eighties music, and then that cute girl with the blonde hair is just like, so they came and took his pooter, and they took his pooter, they jacked his pooter. So, um, our our boy moves out of his parents. And uh, he moves to California, right? Isn't that what happens? Yeah, yeah. Basically, he goes. He moves to Northern California. Well, he already lived in California, but he goes to NorCal, and then where he just keeps hacking hard. Yeah. So he uh, he ends up taking this like high school equivalency exam, and then he moves out. And uh, yeah, but yeah. So it shows that. Um, that he basically just changed locations, um, and on his off hours, he would uh, cruise the interwebs, cloaked with his pseudonym Dark Dante. Uh, but this he didn't time, even change it. So he didn't even change his name. No, no, he stayed Dark Dante. So this time, but but this time he made no mistake to give his location or Bro, give his romance. Gotta... So, so, so they only so they only like slapped him in the on the wrist for the one thing that was attached to his name. Basically, yeah. yeah. Wow. So Febu- Febu- February yeah, was it February February ninth, nineteen eighty eight. Um, the yep. owners of a storage facility, uh, they made a routine stop of a locker that uh, basically this dude hadn't paid his rent. Which uh, if you don't pay your rent, they come and take your shit. And, they go take uh, your shit. There's TV shows about it. it it's, it's called, it's called uh, Storage Wars. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so yeah, the procedure is they basically confiscate your stuff. I don't think that they, at the time in the 80s, I don't think that they auctioned it off. But now they just go in there and they open it up and they, they you know, check your stuff. They find out what you got in there. But appear, when they opened it up, they, they found a bunch of uh, what appeared to be, like, stolen telephone equipment. But this was not, like, just old phones. This was, like, professional-grade stuff. This is stuff that, like, you had to have. It wasn't your mama's rotary phone. Right, right. You, no, you, no. You, you either had to be a police officer or, like, a special agent or working for the telephone company to own this type of equipment. So... They notify the authorities because they're like, uh, but I think- mainly they notif- first they notified their own 
telephone company investigator. Oh, <laughs> did they? I don't remember that happening. No. Yeah, yeah. There's oh, one we'll, guy. We'll talk about it here in a few Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's one guy in this thing that you think he's a cop, but if you actually pay attention to the episode <laughs> really hard, he works for the telephone company as their personal investigator. Wait, is that that we'll... John guy? I thought he was like a cop. Nope. Terry Atchley. Terry Atchley. Yeah. He's the guy. Wait, wait, wait. I'm, I'm just going to remind you. Real quick, he he's the guy who like when he's in the supermarket, he's like, "I'm gonna stake it out," but then he's like, he tells the, the he he can only tell the the market manager. Yeah, yeah. Because he's not a cop. Okay, we'll get to it. But no, so, who, then then John, but John von Brouch was also oh, the no, no, there, company there is, investigator. There is, no, no, there is actual cops too that are they talk to, but there's one guy who's like, "I'm the telephone company." Like, wait, uh, yeah, he's a yeah. telephone company investigator. Yeah. yeah, and his name is Terry Ashley, and and uh, um, he's telling us that, and um, they called him, and then and then he had to call the authorities because this guy um, had in the storage locker had the number of the Soviet embassy in San Francisco, which is not listed, and that's pretty problematic. Yeah, so um, so they look up the locker right, and the locker is. Um, rented to a guy named John Anderson and they find out John Anderson was not a real dude. It was like a fake name, right? An alias, yeah. It's a ruse. Which, yeah. Which is which is cool cuz like like this this part is like uh, I was saying earlier when we first started saying this case I'm I'm going to re- reveal like a, a deep dark kind of secret. I was kind of a little disappointed when like they they opened up that locker and they discovered all this like stolen phone equipment. Because, like, they were talking about, like, how this guy was, like, into hacking and, and kind of, like, you know, like, hacking systems and surfing the web and, like, trying to find, like, ins and outs of stuff. The early days of hacking, it, it's kind of something I was kind of interested in when I was younger, but I'm not all that good at electronics to actually pull it off, is this thing called freaking. It's it's a hobby that people had back in the Oh, day I remember that. Like, the middle the school dances. Days. No, no. Freaking of the 90s. P-H. <laughs> to Genuine's bu- uh, Pony. <laughs> And R. Kelly bumping grade. And basically, what what well, what this term is called <laughs> this hobby called freaking. It's the early days of hacking. Is people would learn how to mimic the tones that were used in automated dialing systems, so you could call people for free. Like you could make a long distance phone call for free. Yeah. If you knew how to duplicate the key <laughs> pattern of what the operator would type into the phone back when they to said- say like. Yeah, it was the early days of hacking. And so like you, people so, would so create just, these. So you just uh, memorize the tone of each number? Well, not necessarily the tone. Like people would create these things called white boxes that would generate specific frequencies to mimic what operators would type in or what the system would type in to mm. make that call possible. Actually, you know what that reminds me of? And it was like the early, the early, early days of. Um, of like hacking like the original hackers were telephone hackers and they were called freakers spelled p-h-e-k-i-n-g oh that's cool and and the frequency that was like predominant in this is 26 that that also reminds me of matthew broderick in war games when he breaks out of that little room by using telephone sounds like a numeric pad yeah no that is freaking that is legitimately freaking right there well that that, reminds me as a kid i was so fascinated with that my uncle is kind of an electrical engineer and he had me so fascinated in that but i don't understand the math well enough to create or to make these white boxes and black boxes that are used to kind of to hack (laughs) the telephone systems 
Well, to me, it reminds me of uh, the James Bond film Moonraker when um, the lady goes into the room and she uses on the she types the keypad and it goes. <laughs> like the Close Encounters theme because it's Moonraker and they're going to space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, fun fact, nerds. Um, Steven Spielberg and the Broccoli's kind of did an exchange. They got to use that for their movie Moonraker, and and the Broccoli's returned the favor. And the Goonies, Steven Spielberg mm. produced when Data rolls through and, and plays the James Bond theme. <laughs> As he rolls through into the house at the beginning of the movie, they traded themes. So yeah, they they go through this storage locker, right, and they find more stuff with Kevin Paulson's name. And if, if this guy had just paid his rent, he would have totally flown under the radar. Everything would have been fine. Or it's like not he, taking photographs of where he stole. Oh, the gear. dude, that was the worst, right? That was like that's not even we haven't even gotten to that yet. This guy Jeez. is the inventor of this the self incriminating selfie. He took yeah. pictures of himself stealing stuff. God, what an idiot. Uh, physical evidence. Snapchat, what, doesn't it like only last for like 24 hours or something? Yeah. Snapchat. Yeah, Yeah, 24 hours per story. Well, anyways, they, they, they track down this Kevin Paulson guy. And These they guys go, have Polaroids. They go, they go to his, find his stuff, and he basically has like a wiretapping room in his spare bedroom. And yeah. uh, they, they ask him straight up, they're like, what are you doing with this? And he's like, I just have it. I don't know. <laughs> Nothing. That, that thing, that's the reenactment is what I want to say. You know, it's just like, they're like, oh, well, here's the situation. Go, guys. <laughs> why, why do you have this? I don't know. I just have it. I just got it from my friend. I don't know. I just have it. I'm holding it for like, him. It's not mine. I don't mine. know. I auditioned for this role. I showed up and it was on the desk. My friend, my friend asked me to hold it for him. It's not mine. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's something I've always wondered, and I wish I could be a part of it. If like Costco of a mirror ever do one of those uh, Reddit AMAs, I really want to ask them if like how scripted were the reenactments? <laughs> oh, oh, not at all. They were not scripted at all. It was mostly improv. <laughs> I, I really think that they were they were, they're strictly blandly scripted off what the people are explaining to them, like in the most like broad sense. Um, 100%. Yeah. His little wiretap facility, right? Um, he also had he also had this thing, this the test signal, right? The thing that, where he could like monitor like really, really, really like uh, cryptic, cryptid calls, encrypted calls. I don't he know. He had the, uh, he had what was called the, a, a test kit, a telephone test kit. Which, which we totally Googled. You, which would allow you to tap into people's phone lines. And, and it's so funny because like, in Unsolved Mysteries, they constantly reiterate, like, this is something you could only get if you, A, worked for the telephone company, or B, were a police like officer a cop, yeah. that had a warrant. And, and I was like, I wonder, like, like, how hard is it to get one of these things? If you have $150 and 30 minutes of your time, go down to Home Depot, and in the electric aisle, they have it. Wow. They, they have two kinds. Them. They have two kinds. They have the Klein uh, test kit. And then they also have like the Home Depot like Green Line generic. Why? So test kit. so you so, can, so if so, you want to tap your neighbor's phone line, just drive on down to Home Depot. Is that real? Yes, yes. That's mm. terrible. Well, it's like 
I guess nowadays well, I mean, it's pe- like fuck it. Who actually has a phone line? What nerd? Well, it's not. It's not that. It's just like you know, people like it's used in everyday life. Like IT guys use these devices to test phone lines and and signal quality. Yeah. So like any schmo can go like, oh, like I'm I'm retrofitting my office by myself because I don't want to pay an IT guy to do it. You can go to Home Depot and buy a test kit for like 150 bucks and you're good to go. Wow. But like, what would you actually hear if you, you tap into people that actually have phone lines? It's just gonna be, be like old ladies ordering stuff off of like shopping <laughs> networks, like people QSC. that QSC, QVC, QVC, people that still have like phone line. Uh, I don't know. It's bumming me out thinking about it. Um. None of those people are listening to a podcast. If you don't want to go to Home Depot, you can also get several versions of it from Amazon, ranging from thirty-eight dollars to two thousand. So yeah, like like we said, uh, the pictures that he took of him taking shit from these places and breaking in and stuff. Robert Sack says his ego gave them enough evidence to contact the FBI, um, which is what happened next. And then we get another William Smith. Um, who is an FBI agent, not in Men in Black, um, and he... There's a couple of Will Smiths recently. Yeah, I was going to say a, a Will Smith reference. But he would break in, basically, this guy, Mr. Polson, would break into these uh, facilities using fake IDs. And uh, he had documentation saying that he was like, oh, I'm here to... Work on your telephone systems, and then he would I'm here steal to check these. out your QSC room. And then he would steal. Uh, oh, that's over here, sir. You must be in here because you should. Oh, be. that's on level two, uh, corridor sixteen C. Yeah. And then he would steal all the equipment. Thirty two B. At that point. Yeah, like yeah, the cops talk. Uh, they say like, oh, this. Um, there was people like a person matching his description breaking in and fucking shit up. So yeah, he he was a little shit, wasn't he? Yep. W- Woodney, Woodney, Woodney. Oh yeah. He he found like a specific number that got him into the company's computer system, and he stole like uh like the test set like that they found in his apartment or the, yeah. This is what was taken from the alleged person who looked like him. So yeah, they broke in, stole, stole a manual and a test set and all this stuff, uh, and a bunch of other gear. And it's so obviously like come on, yeah, it was him, but that's what was taken and that was was found. So it's like um. He just just liked to know how to do we this these things. He was intercepting these computer transmissions that were like class there were military classified shit. It was like there was classified military stuff. And um um and also apparently he apparently might have had documents on the investigation of Ferdinand Marcos. So he was a president of the Philippines who was like exiled or some shit and uh um, apparently he had infiltrated and looked at some files pertaining that case, and uh, and apparently he also wiretapped his buddy Sean. Yeah, <laughs> wanted to see fun. what Sean was up to. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Ferdinand Marcos, disgraced Filipino politician, and his buddy Sean, <laughs> military secrets, and Sean. <laughs> He definitely had a vendetta against Sean. Either that, or he banged his girl, or something. <laughs> oh, that's that's way better. He just wants to see what the fuck Sean was doing. He's like that motherfucker. Told me. Wait, wait. What's the year again? I think it was eighty-eight, right? I know for a fact that fucking Sean and his buddies went to go see 
fucking child's play without I, me. I they know that I loved murdering and I love dolls, and they wanted me to see the original Chucky feature. And we were all going to go see it like friends. And I know he went without me. That motherfucker. He also saw Die Hard, right? That was another 1988 movie. (laughs) Because he went to go see Die Hard without me. And he knew how much I love Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis, who, like, I was a fan of from that one other thing he did before Die Hard. I don't know. But fuck that. And also, and also, we we did go together to go see the Roddy Piper John Carpenter film They Live because it's 1988. Remember, we're not googling <laughs> movies from 1988 or something. We did go to that movie, but he ate all the fucking popcorn. You know, I don't really want to go to the movies with Sean. I'm Kevin Paulson, and this bit is over anymore. <laughs> What what now? now By now, the way, now, thank you to my fellow stack packers for looking up uh, movies from nineteen. Now I'm wondering what Bruce Willis was in before Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> the stack pack, you know, we're giving you unsolved mysteries, but we're also creating some more. What the fuck was Bruce Willis in before Die Hard? Let's just look I'm up like... everything about Die Hard. <laughs> anyway, the fact that he had the the numbers for the Soviet embassy in San Francisco which is like not known and that he had all these military secret secrets secrets he fucking had secrets secrets. (laughs) and he also knew every fucking plan that sean made he knew exactly what sean was doing and he knew exactly if sean was avoiding him he's like yeah kevin's kind of a dork sean's ghosting me (laughs) he knew all these secrets the the government's of course thought that he could be involved in ongoing espionage um, it's a goddamn commie. I fucking love that word being used. Commie. Espionage. Or, I thought you said, I thought commie. I thought you wanted commie. Oh, I love the word commie. No, I'm talking about espionage. <laughs> fucking commie. Basically, William Smith from the FBI is telling us that like, it was freaking him out. It was like, how wait, wait, far wait, would he wait, go? Wait. His name is William Smith? Will Smith? Dude, I said that. I said we got another Will Smith. Did you miss that? His name was William Smith. No, no, no. What you said was you said he worked for the FBI, not the 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 men in black. black. Yeah, and then that. So that's what I thought. I thought that that reference was because of just FBI agent. I didn't realize his name was Will Smith. Jeez. (laughs) No, yeah, William Smith. And welcome to the party, Eli. I'm sorry. Welcome to the party, pal. (laughs) (laughs) That's a diehard reference for you, in case you missed it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got. I got to clap. I got to clap for my for my for my fellow hosts because I was not in on that at all. They had to explain it to me. It went over my head. Dope, dudes. This is what we're here for. Oh, great! Uh, this is going to be a great episode. Yeah, it's going to also be three long. hours long. <laughs> Send us bundles of cash. We're kind of funny, dude. People listen to Joe Rogan, and he's four hours. Sometimes. Yeah. He's also done a lot more than us. So. Yeah. Hey, yeah. He he is like he didn't like kind of like start a like new sport or anything. Um but anyway, so like yeah, they they like all this shit. Will Smith was like, dude, how far is he going to go? So they were very worried about him. 
um, October of 1989, they finally had enough to indict him and two other people, which they just never name. And basically what the case is, is they, they indict these guys for conspiracy, computer fraud, wiretapping, embezzlement, and theft of like government like specific documents. So the other guys got arrested um, and are awaiting trial. They're in jail. And, of course, homeboy Kevin fled because I guess he was, I don't know how, they don't go into it, but he was younger and I guess he got out on bail and he took off. He took off. So, at the point of the original air date of this episode, they're looking for homeboy. Mm-hmm. I, I gave it away by saying that, right? No. I gave I gave away what happens. A little bit, that's okay. That's okay. So, Kevin took off. We're looking for him. We're Unsolved Mysteries. Give us, a, give us, a, give us some help. His friend said that he was kind of a dude who, like, would rather, like, just know how to do something. More like he just wanted to, like, have the power. Like, I could do it rather than, like, actually, like, sell Soviet secrets and, like, blow up the fucking country or something. You know, that would hurt the country. the capability of doing that. Yeah, yeah. It's more of just, like, oh, yeah, I just just know that I could. It's all about the ego stroke for him. There's this one blonde lady who's, like, a friend. And she's, like, I definitely know that this guy is, like... He thinks he's better than everybody else, but I don't think he would actually go to an extent of actually hurting, yeah, yeah, yeah. hurting anybody. But the, of course, you know, they're worried that his this curiosity is going to become something more, and he's just going to keep striving for more power, and that creeps him out. And um, <clears throat> so basically, at the end of this thing, they're like, he may be living in the Los Angeles area, driving a van for the 1970s, and being a weird virgin creep who's like really good <laughs> with computers. <laughs> If you guys could please give me your best um, update uh, themes um, with your voices at the same time, and just like just 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 go for it, and and I'll tell you guys the update. Okay, one two three update. Update. FBI got information. That this guy was indeed in Los Angeles. No All right. way. All right, yeah, thank you guys was. for that. He was. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for playing along with that. And he and was. Did you feel like a fool? Because I hope that Jocelyn walked in while you were just like sitting there by yourself, going. It's like God. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I think she's pretty much sound asleep I'm, right now. I'm married to this motherfucker who's just sitting here at midnight. <laughs> Just like going, just talking about murder with his buds. And we're redoing our floors, so she's sleeping in like the next room with no door, so she could totally hear everything I'm saying right now. <laughs> so yeah, he's possibly a genius, and they're just like, where the hell is this dude? The update is, yeah. They, they catch him at the most ungangster place ever, a grocery yes. store. Uh, acquaintances said that... that he was known to like be at Hughes Market, which was like in a specific neighborhood. So, um, Charles, <laughs> what? <laughs> Go to bed already, <laughs> dude. We suck. I'm sorry. Tell her sorry. We're we're having too much fun, Charles. I'm sorry. It's a really good episode. We're having a lot of fun. Tell Jaws ja- that I said sorry too. I'm sorry. Like, like I'm sorry for like it's it's our fault too. It's our fault. I know we're we're just clowning around. It's good. 
um, so he was known to hang out at this market, right? So the apparently the authorities like told the the people that worked at the market what was up. They gave him a picture, and uh, lo and behold, three weeks later, uh, the supermarket employee sees him there, and they tell the FBI, and then we get our fucking badass ace telephone company investigator Terry Atchley, and he's on the case. He fucking posts up the the phone cop posts up and by the way this phone cop as we'll learn it's funny he can't do shit yeah he can't um <laughs> so he waits and he comes back what like a couple hours later i don't know i'm not good with timelines today um he he, he comes back that night sure enough uh good old kevin paulson shows up terry actually is telling a telling us a story with a very smacky mouth i, I don't even want to imitate it for anybody who listens on their ride with like a bass with you know but the kind of just like wet wet mouth um did you notice that yeah he's got that npr mouth he sees him go in and then he goes in and um tells the clerks like hey like i want to see your manager this guy's here and they're all kind of like oh shit oh shit and then he's checking out and a daring what did what did, Robert, what did Stack say? Two young daring cashiers took it upon themselves to uh, tackle the gentleman and call security to apprehend him. Yeah, real dangerous, dude. <laughs> I can ruin your credit report. Yeah, he's like, well, I'll just uh, yeah. I don't know, got nothing. <laughs> Yeah, so just two stock boys were like, hey, two's better than one skinny little nerd. <laughs> I'm sure he's cool. But anyways, um, so the security guard comes. They hold him in like a stock room until the uh, the popo gets there. Actually, not the popo. They fucking call the FBI. The FBI arrests homeboy. Uh, they mentioned about how he had... Uh uh, cup like like a cuff key, right? Like oh yeah, like when they processed him, they discovered a handcuff key hidden inside his eyeglass case, and the security guard made a comment about while they were detaining him, he kept complaining about his contacts being dry and asking for his glass case. Yeah. That guy was a cop. He was he was one of the investigators, and he's like, no, we can't give it to you. And now they found yeah. out yeah. That he was trying to like escape. Well, which is weird. Like if he's like incarcerated he's just gonna not have handcuffs on but like still be yeah in a cop station incarcerated yeah um but i guess that was just like a cool little bit of like fun uh unsolved mysteries trivia that, that could have been like in the pop-up video version pop-up video and <laughs> yeah, i remember that yeah so uh he pled guilty actually to fraud conspiracy and intercepting wire transmissions. Um, but he, he did do good. I mean, the Unsolved Mysteries episode, I, I think you guys can elaborate. I'm glad that you can. Unsolved Mysteries lets us know that he created a program while in prison that helped catch over 700 sex offenders. Yeah. On MySpace. Registered sex offenders. friends with Tom. He's Tom's best friend from MySpace. Can you actually, like, can anybody elaborate on that or not? No. Not really. Yeah, there's not really much on him. He he does work. He has, like, a government job now. Like, he, the, the government hired him to, like, work on their side because he was such a smart hacker. Oh, okay. Wow. So he kind of turned around? Yeah. So I mean, obviously, like, he created some program. You could say he was scared straight. Dark Dante. 
But what was the sex offenders program actually involved with MySpace, or you were just saying that? No, no, it was. Oh, okay. So specifically on MySpace. Okay, so he he's responsible for registering a bunch of sex, like over seven hundred for like capturing seven hundred sex offenders. Pretty much, on right? Catching over seven hundred, and he did it all on MySpace, huh? I guess it, I mean that wouldn't work now, but that's that's good, that's good. Um, way to turn it around. Did he cause any harm besides like? Just like wanting no. to know if, she, just wanting to know if Sean saw um, <laughs> saw Die, Die Hard with Adam. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, he did win some awards in uh, 2008. He won the Knight Batten Award for innovation in journalism. In 2009, he won the MIN Digital Hall of Fame, which is like magazine industrial newsletter inductee. Uh, 2010, he won MIN Best of Web for the same magazine industrial newsletter. And also, he Damn. won Sans Top Cyber Journalist in security. And then he won two Weeby Awards. Uh, one for People's mm. Voice Award. And then the other one for Law Category for Threat Level. Which, I don't know what that means. but Yeah, that, no, that makes any sense, that last one. But um... Oh, and he wrote a book called Kingpin. <laughs> How One Hacker Took Over Billion Dollar Cyber Crime Underground. Yeah, that was published Damn, in 2011. Busy. I mean, guys got to make a living, right? Can't be hacking forever. Yeah. Mess with the best, I like the rest. And then also, he's a contributing editor on the Daily Beast. What? Yeah. <laughs> I read that website sometimes. Yeah. That's that's his current occupation, actually. But you guys know what? One thing he'll never get. What? Is a... Um, Christmas 1988 that wasn't super lonely because he had to see Die Hard by himself. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one fight. thing that all the that's one thing that all those awards can never heal. That's one. That's 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 a great flick. I love Die Hard. All right, so we got a lost loves, and we're gonna go right through this, and we're gonna try to make fun. Fuck it, I don't care. Sorry, uh, I don't think fucking Sharita listens to podcasts. So, LaHarriet Wade uh, was a little girl who was admitted as a seven-year-old uh, to a hospital. She had a bunch of large tumors in her throat. She was going to get them removed. This is a very scary thing. It's very painful, but it was not life-threatening. Um, she was also... This was also a new place, a new environment. She was going to be away from her parents, definitely, especially at night. And, um, so she was scared and uh, they moved her into a room with an, with an eight year old girl named Sharita. She had a rare cancer and, uh, she was also prepping for a surgery that was upcoming. So these two girls had some shit and said, had some stuff in common. So she was scared and she was put into another room with another girl. And obviously these two girls started talking and became friends Fast and, friends. And over over the time that they spent at the hop, hospital um, going through various treatments, prepping for their various surgeries, um, they, they became really close friends and that they, their fondest moments were just playing jokes on the nurses and the, and the staff of the <laughs> they hospital. Were, there's a reenactment where they're like racing down. Yeah, the one, s- of, one of the reenactments is they're racing down a corridor or down a hallway 
in wheelchairs and I kind of found it a little insensitive because they both are like sitting on their ankles or sitting on their feet to make it look like they're amputees. <laughs> Dude, they find they it were. offensive. Find it very offensive. They were. Yeah, they totally were. But they mentioned they mentioned how uh, they didn't have any adults there. I'm like thinking, like, where were these nurses? Like, worst hospital ever. So as Sharita's operation neared, um, she was forced to undergo um, pre-surgical injections that were that were um, fairly painful. And, and one of the m- most vivid memories in Nikki's mind is how um, Sharita just she. Even like she could, she noticed when she was receiving these treatments that she was in pain, but she would never like scream or cry. It was just always kind of like a loud sigh or a wipe, just like a whatever. Like she just kind of like stepped up to the plate and just kind of like dealt with it. And that inspired her. I was this poor fucking girl that was getting fucking spinal injections and stuff. And the, and the other girl was like, it scared her, dude. It's terrifying. Yeah, that is. Scary. But at the same thought, time, it kind of gave her. She didn't, yeah. she didn't realize till she was way older, like, how much more serious what Shari- the cancer that Sharita has was than what she was going through. And, like, it's just, like, fucking, it's just crazy. Like, she just saw this little girl being injected. And even to the point where she was, like, real mad. She'd be super mad at the doctor. It's like, stop hurting my friend. And it, it, it was it was probably really weird and hard for her. Um and and then like the one day when they rolled her back from her surgery, um, the other girl's mom was there. What's uh, La Harriet? It's the girl we, we Nick, keep talking Nikki's about. Mom. Yeah, we keep yeah. talking about Sharita, but La Harriet is the girl. Who, uh, you know, the Tell younger La Harriet. girl. So um, her mom's like she she was like, is that gonna happen to me? Because she seemed like a different person. She was like out, and she's like, no, honey, like you have something different. When she grows up, she's not going to – such a heavy-handed reenactment. When she grows up, she's not going to have any babies. It's like, what the what yeah. the fuck? Why would you tell a little girl that? Like, why – I don't know. Yeah. I, maybe there's more more context to it, like, you know, what was being said in the room. And it's just like, why would you tell a little girl that? That's yeah, kind of fucked up, yep, right? Yep, 100%. Yeah, you, you, you kind of shield them from stuff like that, I, I would feel – a seven-year-old. You yeah. don't say like, oh, when she grows up, like her, she's not gonna be able to like have children, which is like what all little girls, little girls play with dolls. I don't know. It's yeah, fucked yeah, up, yeah. Man. It's like why would you? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. Why would you do that? <laughs> so well, one night, um, Sharita is picked up and taken to surgery. And when she comes back, she's she's crying in pain, and Nikki goes over and comforts her, <sighs> and she what? says that she's gonna give her like. And the, She's yeah, and this name. is when Nikki makes the promise of a lifetime, in a sense. And she, she promises Sharita that when she grows up, that if she has a child of her own, that she will name her after her, and that she hopes that the, like they could continue <laughs> to be friends. Yeah, so basically, um, she wants to look for Sharita. She finds Sharita, and she's got a mustache, and she's <laughs> weird and ugly. <laughs> And um, she wants she has a daughter named Sharita, and she wants Sharita to be Sharita's godmother. It happens, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, fuck it. It was it was nice. She was crying. She was happy. Sharita has mustache, y'all. <laughs> I got a text from Eli. I don't know. I watched the episode like a week ago. I got a text from Eli like, "Yo, Sharita's got a mustache." I was like, "Who? What?" what? And then I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, this was while we were driving through the woods tripping out on elk. 
We were watching an elk, and then I got a message about Sharita. I was like, who the fuck is Sharita? <laughs> this little girl tells this other girl that we can share my baby. <sighs> it's And then, yeah, it, it, it's sweet, but fuck, man. Like, come on, give me some more murder or something. I don't know. I know. These lost loves are pretty tough to get through. And we might be in well, this, but... this one wasn't called a lost love. Yes, it was. Was it? I yeah. thought it was called lost friend. It was called lost loves. Um, <laughs> if you guys wouldn't give a shit if we just didn't cover lost loves, like tell us straight up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like we're obligated to to do it. Like, I mean, if we skip out on it, we're kind of breaking away from the stack pack fashion. Maybe they're funny or something. I think maybe we should just do like a bullet. Point of them, but not like really go in depth. But we should still at least like. She didn't seem. She was like, she found me. Like she, she after all these years. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess I'll be her godmother. I don't have a kid. Obviously, you know that. Fucking thanks on Salt Mysteries. Later, I'm Sharita. I got a mustache. Peace out. Peace the fuck out, dude. I I have a mirror, and I know that there's fuzz on this lip, but I ain't doing shit about it. <laughs> Uh, we're terrible people. Oh, man, people got mirrors and stuff. It's 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 90s. It's, it's not like the mirror was an SD television, like a big square blurry thing. Oh man. Do you think do you think it looked like she had a mustache like when you watched it on TV back? Probably not. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Fuck you HD TV. Uh, okay, well fucking unsolved mysteries is definitely not. I wouldn't say that's fucking 1080p. There's no way that's <laughs> that shit was all filmed on video. So it's the best I can do. It's probably way more detail than what was on there was broadcast like for sure. <clears throat> but yeah, so that's that episode. Um so next week, uh oh yeah, what do we got? Uh, um next week. Next week actually I didn't research. Um <laughs> I was actually forgot. So you're gonna have to come back and find out exactly what we're talking about next week because I don't know. Dude, either. there's actually uh, we watched the 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 quick uh, like audio um, of the next episode, and there was like one or two that really like tickled my fancy. Stood out. You're just like, can't wait. Yeah, yeah. And actually, oh, I might be editing this out of the podcast, but I might we might be doing a fun podcast from uh, New York City. Um, I found some mics that I could travel very easily, like like Wee. two of those mics. Yeah, it might be kind of fun. I'll see if my brother's down. I'm sure he will be. Okay, so uh, uh, David, I kind of slacked it today. Um, what's going on next week? All right, well, we're going to be talking about an 82 foot freighter known as the Freedom that uh, was sailing Freedon sailing to Haiti with a German captain and a 23 year old journalist named Lisa, and. Basically, a few days later, the Freedon vanished without a trace. We'll also be talking about a 24-year-old named Adam. And um, apparently, somehow, his affluent lifestyle, he was a rich guy who met a hobo in 1989, befriended this guy, and even invited him inside of his house. And now Adam H. is missing. And and also, in the final days of World War II, apparently there was a bunch of precious jewels that were stolen and smuggled out of famous uh, concentration camp known as Dachau. And apparently some people still believe that this uh, is buried in a mountain in, a mountain in, Aus- in Austria. Wait, didn't we talk about Dachau before? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I think there's going to be a lot of Nazi stuff in the future. Um, also, there's a case of a mental patient who disappeared after her boyfriend was murdered. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for hanging out, guys. Uh, we've been slacking it, but I hope our Roswell episode was fun and interesting. I have no idea how that turned out. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks so much. Come back next week. We're the Stack Pack on Twitter and Instagram. Come and hang out with us and talk to us and let us know what's up. Um, also, you know what? If, if you guys give us a screenshot or let us know that you uh, posted a review, we'll send you... Uh, we'll send you a bunch of stickers. We got some yeah, cool we'll, swag now. We'll send you some some stickers, and you can put them all over things and give them to your friends and stuff. Um, thanks so much for having fun and hanging out with us every week. Um, I'm David Howell. I'm at Davy Howe D A V Y D A V Y H O W. I'm Road underscore Dan, and I'm Big Bad Final Dad. And for every mystery, there's someone somewhere who knows the truth. Perhaps that someone is listening to us, and perhaps, I don't know, perhaps that someone might be you. Um, good night and good luck and uh, happy anniversary, happy birthday. Whatever. Godspeed. Yeah, Godspeed. <laughs>